we'll enjoy that time together. Let me read you a poem. This poem is oft-quoted, but it's actually a part of a poem. William Ross Wallace uh, died in 1881, and he wrote, and when I tell you the title of the poem, you'll say, oh yeah, I've heard that before, and I have too. I've I've often heard it, uh, you know, cited as being said by famous people like Benjamin Franklin, Abraham Lincoln, uh, Napoleon Bonaparte, uh, all kinds of different people, but here it is in this poem uh, written prior to 1881 when this guy died. Here's the title, The Hand That Rocks the Cradle is the Hand That Rules the World. You ever heard that phrase before? Listen to the poem. It's got some, uh, I don't have it memorized, but I'll, I'll read it to you. Blessings on the hand of women. Angels guard its strength and grace in the palace cottage hovel. Oh, no matter where the place, would that never storms assail it, rainbows ever gently curled, for the hand that rocks the cradle is the hand that rules the world. Infancies the tender fountain, power may with beauty flow. Mother's first, listen to this, mother's first to guide the streamlets, from them souls unresting grow. Grow on for the good or evil, sunshine streamed or evil hurled, for the hand that rocks the cradle is the hand that rules the world. Woman, how divine your mission, here upon our natal sod. Keep, O oh keep the young heart open, always to the breath of God. All true trophies of the ages are from mother's love impearled. For the hand that rocks the cradle is the hand that rules the world. Blessings on the hand of women. Fathers, sons, and daughters cry, and the sacred song is mingled with the worship in the sky. Mingles where no tempest darkens, rainbows evermore are hurled, for the hand that rocks the cradle is the hand that rules the world. And uh, wow, that's a powerful statement about mothers. It is true that uh, mothers have this kind of awesome power. Let me prove this to you in just a very practical sense. No one likes about, you're going to hate what I'm going to say. Almost everyone in this room is going to hate what I'm going to say. But if you'll be honest, you'll know that what I'm going to say is true. I'm not going to, there's no scripture to back it up. This is the observation of thousands of years of observation. Here it is. Girls grow up to be like their mothers. Now, every teenage girl is cringing right about now. Uh Uh-uh! But... It's the reality, you know, part of my marriage counseling to couples almost always involves some statement like this. Do you like your mother-in-law or your future mother-in-law? Because guess what? That's who you're marrying ultimately. You know, one day you're going to wake up and you're going to say, wow, she is just like my mother-in-law. Yeah, it is the reality of it. That's how much power a mother has. And let me prove it to you on the other side. Boys, by the way, first of all, do grow up to be like their fathers, to the chagrin of most of us fathers and the mothers in the room. But anyway, uh, but here's the other point. You know what boys do? They look for someone like their mother to marry. Think about it. Now, I know there's always the exception to the rule. I know that sometimes, but I'm talking about even if your mom wasn't a Christian and you became a Christian and married a Christian, it is amazing how much that it works out that way. Boys marry their mothers, and girls grow up to be their mothers. You know why? Because the power of mom on a home cannot be 
exaggerated. It's incredible. It's frightening. That's how much power you wield, moms, because the hand that rocks the cradle is the hand that rules the world. And God has established that kind of wonderful thing in this this person that we call mom, and we're going to look at her in Proverbs chapter 31. Who can find, verse 10 says, a virtuous woman, for her price is far above rubies. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you would help as we look into uh, your word today, that you would help us to grow in your grace, that you would help us to understand uh, what you've done for us by giving us mothers and what you've done for for us by establishing homes with moms and dads and the, the dynamic that that works so beautifully uh, for and pray that you would just help us to appreciate what you've done, uh, to appreciate those people you've placed into our lives and to show that appreciation today and we'll thank and praise you for all that you do in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Can you think of any bad moms in the Bible? Uh, did anybody know who Ahaziah's mom is? Anybody know? When I say you're going to say, of course she was a bad mom. Jezebel, thank you, Brother Tim. That's exactly right. Jezebel was Ahaziah's mom. And here's what the Bible says. Listen to what the Bible says about Ahaziah in 1 Kings chapter 22. Ahaziah, the son of Ahab, began to reign over Israel and Samaria, the 17th year of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, and reigned two years over Israel. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord and walked in the way of his father and in the way of his Ouch. Mother. Because moms, for good or bad, you carry a lot of weight. If I can say it that way and not get anybody mad at me. (laughs) For good or bad, you have a lot of influence in your home. Uh, Do you remember another one in the New Testament? We don't know this girl's name exactly, but, uh, but... you know, the uh, tradition tells us that her name was Salome. Who was Salome's mother? Say it out loud. Herodias. Yeah, Herodias was that lady that said, when her daughter, Salome, came and said, uh, what should I ask of the king? She said, ask for the head of John the Baptist. What a great mom. <laughs> yeah, ask for the head of John the Baptist. Yeah, there are some bad examples in the Bible uh, they, they do exist, but here in Proverbs chapter 31, we actually have a wonderful example. Can I share with you real quickly an extra biblical here, uh, Mom? I want to show you the elite. I mean the absolute highest example of a homeschool mom that probably we could point to. You may know her, but let me tell you a little bit about her. She was the 25th child in her family. Yikes, and she grew up to be a dynamic homeschooling mother. She married a minister. Then she had 19 kids. Yeah. Now, only 10 of those survived to allow her to homeschool them, but she homeschooled those 10 kids. Uh, She had twice the home that she was living in destroyed by fire, probably because she had 10 kids. But anyway, I don't know. I don't know that for certain. Uh, One of her infant sons almost died in one of those fires. But she's famous. She is famous because here is what she did. Listen to this. This is homeschool mom's rules. Homeschool moms, you ready? You need to write this list down. And every homeschool kid is about to kill me. But I want you to know something. If you don't homeschool your kids, you need to write these rules down. 
because these would change society. Number one, eating between meals was not allowed. Mean mother. <laughs> Number two, children are in bed by eight. Ouch. Number three, of course, granted, this was prior to television. I'm just kidding, kids are in bed by eight. Number three, they are required to take medicine without complaining. Number four, subdue self-will in a child and those working together with, with God to save a child's soul. Working together with God and subduing my child's stubborn self-will so that God might save them. Number five, teach a child to pray as soon as he can speak. That's a good rule, don't you think? Number six, require all to be still during family worship. By the way, that assumes that there's family worship, right? Number seven, give them nothing that they cry for and only that which they ask for politely. Whoa, do you think that would change your home? If you cry for it, you don't get it. If you ask for it politely, we can talk. Hmm. Number eight. To prevent lying, punish no fault which is first confessed and repented of. Okay, don't be too quick to punish. If they've confessed and asked for forgiveness, then it's done. Hmm. Interesting. Number nine. Never allow a sinful act to go unpunished. Number 10, never punish a child twice for a single offense. Number 11, comment and reward good behavior. 12, any attempt to please, even if poorly performed, should be commended. 13, preserve property rights, even in the smallest matters. In other words, if that's Johnny's toy, Susie can't play with it without Johnny's permission. That's what it means by preserving property rights, all right? Number 14, strictly observe all promises. 15, require no daughter to work before she can read. Now, you can kind of gather the time frame that this is happening, since it specifically points out daughters. And number 16, teach children to fear the rod. Anybody know who this is? That's exactly right. Susanna Wesley, the mother of two great preachers of history, John and Charles Wesley. Wow! You mean if I do things biblically, it makes a difference? Hmm. There's a homeschool mom for you. Homeschools ten, ki ten kids, and there's her rules. So now we're in Proverbs chapter 31. Let's hit it. Fast and furious, because I'm going to run out of time. Take a look at the second verse. We're in verse 11, so start in verse 10. Who can find a virtuous woman? Can I just point this out first of all? For a price is far above rubies. The implication of that verse is how we ought to approach this woman, our mother, our wife, this virtuous woman that God has brought into our lives. Our approach to her should be as treasure, for her price is far above rubies. In the New Testament, the understanding of that verse is found in something like this, when it says um, that husbands dwell with them according to knowledge, remembering what? To treat them as the 
weaker vessel. And that weaker vessel has nothing to do with the fact that she is weak, but it has everything to do with the fact that she is precious. And so you care for her like you would something that was very expensive and unable to be replaced. Some of you need to think of your wives as your car. <laughs> right? Yeah, because you take really good care of your car, your tools, your uh, gun. You know, your, some of you, your gun gets taken out more than your wife does. <laughs> Stop and think about this. She, her price is far above rubies. You understand? So God's trying to teach us how to approach the subject here. And here's how it begins to, to play itself out. Now, the rest of this emphasis is really on that woman. So ladies, listen up. Uh, this is how God gives it to us. The heart of her husband doth safely trust in her so that he shall have no need of spoil. And the idea of this is simply not that, guys. This is not your excuse to say, see, God says I'm not supposed to spoil you. So I'm, trying to, I'm just trying to keep her humble and make, make sure she's that kind of woman God wants her to be so I don't take good care of her. No, that's not it. But ladies, if you're the kind of person that says, if I'm not going to be happy unless, and he has to constantly do to make you happy, you're missing out on being this godly woman. Do you understand? Uh, he should have no need of spoil. Um, guys, you should bring her flowers. You should. But ladies, if he doesn't, that doesn't mean you should punish him. That's the idea. There's no need of spoil. You should bring her flowers because she is the most important thing in your life apart, apart from Christ. Right? She is that weaker vessel, and you should care for her as such. Her price is far above rubies. But ladies, don't be demanding of it. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. This is what this godly woman looks like. Now, all the days of her life would include when you're at the beauty shop, ladies. My wife was a beautician for years. She still is technically, but she doesn't practice. But um, the stories that ladies start telling about their husbands in beauty shops would, if I had hair, make it stand on end. <laughs> Do you understand? It's that kind of a thing. It's like, wait a minute, she will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. Um, if I said, quick, think of someone who's godly. What you think of, I can almost promise you, is some woman who speaks highly of her husband. Because she will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. It's kind of, it goes with the territory. Um, she worketh, I'm sorry, seeketh wool and flax and worketh willingly with her hands. Uh, she does know how to work. And every mother, that's kind of an oxymoron to say that with mothers in the room, right? Mothers obviously know how to work. And every dad who has ever taken an afternoon said, you take the day off, honey, I'll take care of the kids, knows what that's about. And uh, they seldom ever do that again. But uh, uh, that's a lot of work. Uh, she is like a merchant ship. She bringeth her food from afar. She's not as big as a ship. She just brings her. The idea is that she's very creative in the way that she presents things for her family. 
Uh, Pinterest would be a wonderful thing for this woman, right? I've never been on Pinterest. I don't really know what Pinterest. I just hear people talk about Pinterest all the time. And it's usually involved with something creative. You know, it's like, oh, I, that's a really cool table thing. And then somebody says, oh, Pinterest. Yeah, Pinterest. Okay. Uh, that's a good recipe. Pinterest. Uh, I don't know about Pinterest, but it sounds like a really good thing. So uh, uh, if it is, use it. If it's not, then I didn't say that from the pulpit. So I don't know. <laughs> I really don't know much about it. Listen to what it says, ladies. This gets tough. Sometimes it's difficult. Uh, we live in the society that kind of focuses us on us, on ourselves, guys and gals both, right? And that's going to be difficult to fulfill some of these things. Listen to what it says here. She riseth while it is yet night, and giveth meat to her household and a portion to her maidens. You guys have heard me tell this story about my grandmother so many times, it's, you could tell it to me. But you know, my grandmother, you know, would feed 40, 50 people every day for the whole three or four day weekend. We would all gather at the house. And when I say gather at my grandmother's house, you need to see it. It's still existing. And it's a three-bedroom house. Two of those bedrooms are counted, they're actually the attic. You know, the, the ceiling goes like this. And you go up, and if you go this way, you go to one of the rooms. If you go that way, you go to the other room. And uh, you had to go through the bathroom to get to those stairs. And there's another bedroom, a living room, a kitchen, and what you and I would call perhaps a breezeway today, which was a, a space in between the living room and the kitchen where the bathroom went off this way and the other one was just kind of an open room where she threw literally grandma's feather bed was in there and all of us kids would fight over who got to sleep in the feather bed because we thought it was a novelty to sleep in a feather bed little did we know that that probably was nasty to sleep in the feather bed but so they would accommodate us they'd they pile about six of us grandkids in the feather bed i'm not making it up and there'd be like six of us sleeping there and so it's right off the kitchen and Every morning, about four o'clock in the morning, you'd hear my grandmother. And she'd be humming, usually Amazing Grace or the Old Rugged Cross, and she shuffled. Well, I didn't know why she shuffled. I thought she just liked that noise. It sounded like sandpaper. Her floor wasn't, you know, it was old and it was like a wooden plank floor. And she, she, well, she shuffled because she was in her 80s. I'm not making that up. She was in her 80s. And she's fixing breakfast by herself. And at 6 o'clock, everybody gets up, and all 40 of us eat breakfast. That's what was my, you know, she rises while it is early. And ladies, there's a sacrifice to being a godly woman. This doesn't happen naturally. If you want to be this godly woman, you're going to have to work. But it, it's this working with a sacrifice of having a focus on other people. She can, guys, listen up. This is this woman, this godly woman. I, I say this every time I go through this, almost every Mother's Day. I kind of go through this for us to remind us. Never one time does God say, it's not good that that woman should live alone. She needs somebody to help her. Never one time does God look at a woman and say, that poor woman, she can't make it by herself. She needs some help. But God did look at a man and said, he can't do this by himself. He needs some help. And he gave us a woman. I'm serious. And so there was a time in our Baptist churches in which we belittled women as if they were property, as if they were somehow lesser human beings, and somehow that they needed us in order to survive. That is not biblical. It's not in the Bible anyplace. We need them to survive. That is in the Bible. It's there. It's not good. And when I, by the way, God was looking at this guy right here when he said it. I, I am not a loner. I like being around people. I do. I like people. 
And God looked at John Ray and said, it is not good, that poor guy. And he gave me a wonderful woman in Melody and a wonderful mother. And that's what he does. But look at what the Bible says here. She considers a field. And I, I'm always amazed at this. Can you imagine coming home and your wife saying, oh, by the way, I bought a field today. <laughs> in my wildest imagination. I cannot imagine. I mean, it's kind of like a big deal around our house. That my, if I come home, my wife says, I bought a pair of tennis shoes. You know, like, okay, let's look at the budget again. You know I mean? Can you imagine having this woman who is so business savvy and capable that she's able to buy a field? That's what the Bible describes here. She considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hand, she plants a vineyard. She girdeth her loins with strength and strengtheneth her arms. She perceives that the merchandise is good. This woman has a brain. She actually is able to function. It's an amazing thing that she can do this. And God gave us this virtuous woman. And guys, we're, we're hurting our families if we don't allow this woman to blossom in our home. If we don't allow her to have the opportunity to use the strength that God has given her I am not suggesting that you and I surrender our responsibility as the, head of, as the head of our home. That's not the suggestion. One day we will stand before God and us, without our wife any place near, are going to give an account for what our home was like. Because God put us in charge. That's what it means to have authority. And God gave us that. I can't hide that from you, ladies. God gave us that. And it's a wonderful thing for you, ladies, because God protects you because of that. Right? You're protected. We stand between you and God. But the guy who does not learn how to use his wife's strengths because somehow he is threatened by the fact that she can think is a guy who's missing out on the gift that God has given to him. This is the wonderful godly woman that God has given. She's capable. Let her use her strength to build the right kind of home. And that's what God's describing here in this woman. She lay at her hands of the spindle and uh, holds her, her hands hold the distaff. She stretches out her hand to the poor. Yea, she reaches forth her hands to the needy. She's compassionate. She's caring. She's a worker. She takes care of the things that need to be done. She's getting up and, and putting others before herself, etc., etc. She's not afraid of the snow because her household is cared for. She already knows that she's taking care of the things that her family needs. She makes herself tapestry of uh, coverings of tapestry and clothing is of silk and purple. And can I just say this? She cares about how she appears to her husband. The Bible's saying here. I know the New Testament says that it is not the plating of the hair and it's not the putting on of gold and, 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 a ram, and, and apparel, and that's true. It's not. It is the inward woman that makes her beautiful. That's what the Bible says. But that doesn't mean that she that doesn't, by the way, even in the New Testament, say that you can't plate your hair and wear jewelry. It just simply means that if you think that's where your beauty rests, you've missed out on the understanding of the scripture. Your beauty is found inwardly. That's where your beauty rests. But yet here she is. She's caring for the way she's appearing. She wants to look good for her husband. She wants to make sure that she's uh, putting on not just any clothing, but clothing of silk and of purple. I love this next phrase. Her husband is known in the gates. You know what that really means, guys? It means that when you walk by, people say, oh, wow, look, there goes Melody's husband. <laughs> That's what it means. It means that 
that you're, because you've allowed your wife to blossom and because you've helped her to grow into the, the godly woman that God would have her to be, that her testimony makes you something special. Her husband is known in the gates. She maketh fine linen, selleth it. By the way, this is the second business thing that we've seen this woman doing. Now, before, she's buying property and selling it. Now, she's actually running a small business out of her home. Uh, you know, she maketh fine linen and sells it. She delivereth girdles to the merchants. Hello. Strength and honor are her clothing, and she shall rejoice in time to come. Listen to this, ladies, because this is what this godly woman is all about. Listen to this next verse. She openeth her mouth with wisdom. By the way, who's writing this? Do you remember? Solomon's mother. Read the beginning of the chapter, Proverbs chapter 31. Look at the beginning of the chapter. Uh, it helps. And it says it's Lemuel, Solomon. She, she writes it, it's Solomon's mother writing this and saying, son, sit down to some things. Before I die, I want you to know. And she's telling Solomon about this. She's a wise, wise woman. She opened her mouth with wisdom. And in her tongue, oh, catch it, ladies. Are you listening? In her tongue. You know, ladies are known as, if I can be very generalizing and not try to be any more critical of ladies than I am of men. And you know me. I, I'll crucify the men come Father's Day. But, uh, you know, you ladies, you're known by one of two things. Either you're known because you have the tongue of kindness or, or, right? Hell hath no fury, as the saying goes, right? Than a woman scorn. I tell you, there's hardly anything worse than having a woman be your enemy, right? And so either there is the law of kindness in that tongue or it becomes a very ugly situation very fast. To be this godly woman requires that James approach to our tongue, bringing our tongue under control, and uh, the law of kindness being in that tongue. She looked well the way of her household and eateth the bread of idol, eateth not the bread of idleness. And here's where I want to finish it up. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Now, you know, my mom's been with the Lord now for about eight years, believe it or not, almost nine. And, uh, hard to believe it's been that long for me anyway for you it's like some of you are like who's your mom you don't even know who she was but uh it's hard to imagine but one of the things that I wanted to try to do when I started growing in Christ and I saw this passage I did not want to be like one of those people who waited until my mom was gone to tell her how blessed I was to have her in my life I'm saying to you kids that still have your mom here, listen up. Children of a godly woman, rise up and call her blessed. And if you have been so blessed as to have a mom who loves you and loves the Lord, and she's still here, you need to grab hold of this verse and uh, do what you need to do. Look at what the next thing says, guys. Her husband also. Sing her praises. You know, I have, Melody and I will have been married 30 years this year, and um, I've noticed 
And um, yes, it makes me old, I know. And uh, I've noticed that um, I tend to take for granted what God has given me. Whereas I used to say, I used to rise up and call her blessed. I find it very easy now, if I'm not careful, to point out the irritable things. Because I know it might find it hard to believe, but every now and again, I get irritated. (laughs) Can you imagine if you were Melody? (laughs) I wonder how often I irritate her, don't say. Uh, But anyway, you, you get the idea. It's like, I find it easy if I'm not careful to jump on the things that I didn't like. And yet the Bible says, and I have been blessed. God has given me a godly wife and a godly mother for my children. There is a reason that my children are still in church today. You're part of that reason, but the biggest part of that reason is sitting right back there. You know, they have a godly mother. And her husband also rises up and calls her blessed and praises her, it says. Many daughters have done virtuously, but thou excellest them all. Favors is evil. Beauty is vain. But a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gates. And the joy of motherhood and fatherhood is that as our kids grow up, the kids become our praise. They really do. That's why it's difficult, guys. Kids, listen up. And some of you who are older but still kids, when you're not doing right, it hurts your, your parents in ways you can never really fully know. Because the parents, the, kids, the parents of kids who are doing right, those kids are their praise. Let their works praise them. But when we don't do right, it becomes, read the book of Proverbs. It becomes hurtful to mom and dad. So here we are today, this place where we want to honor mom and dad. You want to honor them? Well, rise up and call her blessed. You want to honor them? Then show forth the work that she has put into your life by living the life that she has raised you to live. And that that will be a blessing to her and to you. Head down.